Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Hey guys, it's Ashley Kirkwood with the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. And today we have with us Karshina Ross, who is an entrepreneur. And um, she'll be talking a little bit about her business and how she plans on using speaking as a revenue stream. And then we're hoping that we can give her some advice and some guidance on expanding the speaking side of her business or using speaking to expand her current business. So Karshina, welcome to Speak Your Way to Cash. How are you? Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well, very well. Today's a good day. <laughs> good. Um, why don't you tell the Speaker Rated Cash community what it is that you do, what's the business that you run, and kind of what's your role? Um, so my business uh, is called Transportation for All. I am a uh, solo entrepreneur. Um, what we do is transportation throughout the Chicago and suburban area. Uh, primarily right now, we focus on school bus transportation, but in our name, Transportation for All, our goal is to add additional forms of transportation. So school buses, we want to expand to medical transportation, hopefully coach buses, private services, and things of that nature. So currently, we um, have about 50 school buses in our transportation fleet. And with those, we transport students for various uh, charter schools, school districts, private schools, daycares, um, and we get them to and from school. We also get groups to field trips, charters. So when you guys are getting ready to go to Fright Fest next week, give us a call. We can get you out to Great America. and You guys don't have to worry about driving and parking uh, to have a good time. So that's pretty much what uh, we, we're currently running now as school buses for Transportation for All. That's awesome. And how do you currently get clients for your company? Um, so currently, it's really referrals, uh, word of mouth, um, people seeing our buses rolling through the Chicagoland area. Um, I do some small outreach uh, in our local community pretty much, but pretty much it's just kind of word of mouth. And what made you start a busing company? That seems super unique, especially for, <laughs> I haven't met a woman bus, woman led bus company owner. <laughs> so right? what and made so, you started with that? That's an interesting piece. And that's kind of what we want, I want to transition into later is that people don't know that women transportation owners exist or minority transportation owners exist. Um, I started this bus company in 2017 um, after I worked for my family business for over 10 years. So I have to give the credit to my mom who had this unique idea to get started in school bus transportation. Uh, she started her company in the early 90s and pretty much had a lot of success with it. Um, she closed a few years ago, and I thought, what am I going to do? Um, mm -hmm. In closing, that meant that I was going to be unemployed. There were employees that were going to be unemployed. And I'm like, hey, I've sat under someone for 10 years who's been great at this, so I'm going to give it a shot and try to keep it rolling. So 
Uh, for three years now, I've been in my own transportation company, really trying to uh, get it done on a day-to-day -day basis. But yeah, I started it because I seen it done. Um, the interesting part is that I'm actually an attorney by trade. So nothing in me thought that I would ever be <laughs> doing school bus transportation. Like it's, that was my mom's job. Um, I went to school, I would say a glorified nerd. I was in school for 28 years straight. Um, I graduated from law school and went to practice in real estate law. So, so far away from transportation, but uh, I did pretty good with that. I worked in a couple of uh, law practices until the market crashed in 08. And so the market crash of 08 left me trying to figure out what to do and which way I would go. Um, and at that time, my mom's company was doing pretty good. And she was like, well, can you come over and help me with a couple of legal aspects and some uh, bids and some different documentation that I need? I was like, sure, I can come and help you. Um, and I, I was there. <laughs> so once she got me in, I was in and I realized that it was a pretty good business. And I thought, you know, I could see this going into the future. Nice. So what's yeah. the biggest um, challenge being a business owner in transportation and kind of growing the company? Wow. The biggest challenge, I think, is the daily operations of the school bus company. I always liken it to kind of like the firehouse syndrome. Do you know how firemen can sit around all day and they can, you know, make extravagant meals for each other and work out and have a good time? But when that bell rings, it's like a spring to action. So the challenge is not knowing what to expect on a day-to-day -day in transportation. So you have 30 buses rolling on the street. That means you have 30 different customer service representatives pretty much out there representing your company, mm -hmm. uh, traveling over the roads, which could lead to any type of issue, uh, issues with the road, issues with the drivers, issues with the vehicles, uh, timing. So I think the biggest challenge is on a day-to-day -day basis, not knowing what to expect. So pretty much the unknown there. And how do you see speaking possibly helping the business? And do you see it as a way to increase um, the amount of customers that your company gets? Or do you see it as a way to grow your personal brand? Both, actually. So initially, I see it as a way to educate and inform people about this industry, the transportation industry. Um, I think things change with the, with the uh, introduction of like Uber and Lyft. Transportation became something that people started noticing as a lucrative um, stream of income. Like, wow, you know, you could get paid for giving someone a ride. It's always just been taxis, and that just seems so far out of reach. Mm -hmm. um, and so within this transportation industry, we kind of flew under the radar because you just, you know, someone picks you up and they get you where you're going. Um, I want to use speaking to inform people about transportation companies, um, more so, like I said earlier, to inform people that there are minority and women-owned transportation companies and smaller entrepreneurs that are in this business and that we exist, that we can provide the same, if not better, level of services than the big 
transportation companies that you may, you know, recognize because they're nationwide or they kind of have flooded your area um, and to kind of make you aware to give us an opportunity um, to provide the services and see if we can do just the same, if not better, as the bigger, um, you know, mainstream bus companies. Um, As far as my personal brand, I am interested in expanding my brand. I have this little uh, name I've even came up with for myself that that I like to see uh, me being able to go out, um, spread the word about transportation, add a safety aspect to it so that I'm informing you about the industry, but also giving you tips on the industry, you as the audience being possibly parents, uh, school officials, students themselves, uh, coaches, and things of that nature to educate you more on the transportation industry, uh, on the types of vehicles, the safety that's involved in them, uh, and being able to, at that point, also market us as a possible choice when you're looking for transportation. Okay, awesome. So it sounds like you'd like to use it to grow your personal brand and then also potentially bring more clients into the firm. Correct. Okay. So one of the things I always suggest is that when you're thinking about adding speaking as a a revenue stream or using it to grow your business and or your personal brand, that you think through, you know, what, one, what do you have time for is the number one thing. (laughs) Like, what do you have time for? Because most of the people that we work with are either business owners, which is a full, full full-time job, or they're full-time professionals working for someone else's company. And so they don't always have time. They don't have a lot of time to dedicate to speaking. And if that is the case for you and for other business owners that are listening, I recommend you figure out a way to, to use speaking for a goal that you already have. So I heard you say like, you'd love to use it to inform people about the industry, to make sure they know what the industry is and to get more probably diversity into the industry. However, what typically happens is when we have those goals, which are a little more altruistic, it's hard to monetize those goals. So I would put that goal on like the back burner. (laughs) And the first goal that I would focus on would be um, using speaking to bring in clients for the busing company. Because right now, the majority of your income and your expertise comes from um, from that. It comes from that. That is where your, your revenue is coming from right now. So if there's a way, and, and the other thing is as you grow your personal brand and as you speak to these potential clients, you're going to do your second or your primary goal anyways, like getting more people in the industry, showing them what you do. And typically the way that you accommodate both is your primary goal would be pitching to speak at conferences where a lot of your ideal clients congregate. And the way that you inform people about the industry is you will post about the fact that you're speaking at these large conferences. So Uh inner circle and people who follow you on social media personally start to see, oh, wow, she is, she owns a transportation company. She's a woman in transportation and she's able to do this and juggle the rest of her life. Cause you're also a mom, you know, a daughter, you have Um, civic obligations in the community. So the more you share about just the things that you're already doing on social media, the more people will start to learn and get exposure to what you're doing. But strategically, the number one goal has to be getting the finances into the company and using speaking in that way. Because in order to build a speaking platform, you have to invest time into it. And the only way 
as business owners, we can afford to invest time as if there's a return on that investment. Right. So the first priority, and, and one of one of the things that I'd recommend as well is like when you do this, so let's say you book five engagements at large conferences where all school districts congregate or where all the purchasing directors congregate. Okay, great. Let's say you get 10 clients from that. After you get those 10 clients as a direct result of speaking, you could do something where like for every 10 paid clients you receive from speaking, you donate one engagement to a boys and girls club or to a civic obligation. But when you're coming up with your goals, you want to think of it in the sense of like, okay, I have revenue goals that are tied to my civic duties. Okay. Because as you know, woman-owned business, minority-owned businesses, the biggest difference I see between how we run our companies and how large corporations run their companies is their giving is tied to like a revenue goal. <laughs> large company. So they make a certain amount of money and then they give. Whereas we come into business trying to give when we don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do both. So I like to, but you know, we have the heart to do it. And honestly, we're going to give anyways, just people seeing you in your role, seeing you win, seeing you successful will encourage them the same way your mom encouraged you to go into the business. So always share what you're doing and make sure people know about it. But have a be very very strategic in how you use speaking because it is a time investment and it ha there just has to be like a really defined return on that investment. With these conferences that you're speaking of, these wouldn't be conferences that I would be anticipating being compensated for, right? So it it really depends on the conference. So sometimes you can go to a conference with all of your ideal clients and they will have a budget to pay you. But most of the time, most of the time, no. Most of the time when you go to a conference and it's all your ideal clients and they give you the opportunity to pitch at the end, you're typically not compensated for those. But it really, it really just depends on how you work it out. Um, especially because for you, a lot of the conferences you're looking at will be uh, sponsored by counties mm -hmm. and organizations. And so they don't always have budgets to do that because they understand the value of you speaking but getting in front of like purchasing departments would be really really good and then there is a um there's the win organization women in transportation or advancing women in transportation have you heard of this no so they have a chicago chapter um and essentially it's a lot of different women who are in the transportation industry and i don't know whether your ideal clients will be there or whether these are just other women who work in all areas of transportation that you can connect with, but they do have a Chicago chapter. And sometimes going to organizations like that, it's really, really great networking. So one of the things that we've done, we've gone to like Chamber of Commerce and Small Business Association and spoken in front of their local chapters. And whereas the local chapter won't pay, as long as I can qualify who will be in the room, I've almost always gotten business from it. Perfect. Especially with Chamber of Commerce is like I've gone and done, I do like a 15 minute presentation. And just from that, we've landed like five to $20,000 in contracts, like within a week. Wow. Doing it. And so it's like, okay, well, this is, this is by far worth it. Not only that, um, for us, since we're a law firm, um, I own a law firm, Mobile General Counsel, we do trademarks and contracts. A lot of businesses that have brick and mortar locations need continuous legal work. So it's not just that one contract. Once they're comfortable with you, they come back for repeat business. 
So one of the things you can research, um, I always recommend you do the first round of research yourself, even if you can just dedicate like an hour to it, is figuring out where do um, purchasing directors and compliance officers, where do they get their continuing education from? So what conferences do they go to to learn the ins and outs of the industry? And after you learn that, maybe you pitch to speak at those conferences and it's on something that is that you are an expert in, such as hiring, hiring diverse staff, because you have a team of individuals and the vast majority of your team is racially diverse. So working with diverse class of, of individuals. I don't know if you all do any um, workforce reentry or anything like that, or hire people with um, criminal records, but that's a hot topic right now too. So even like why it's beneficial for companies to hire companies that actually have reentry programs or work with people with diverse past. So any of those topics that you are an expert in because you do it every day, it's not directly transportation, but it'll allow you to present to them and teach them something. And then at the end, they should allow you really clearly to say, I do transportation. I'd love to connect with you to figure out who you all use and how we can potentially partner with you in the future. Because we do have, you do have all your certifications. Right, right. Yes, we're, we're certified as a, a minority-owned and women-owned business with uh, Cook County government and the state of Illinois. So we have both of those, and then as reciprocity in Chicago. So Chicago, city of Chicago accepts the uh, the state certification. So we've met that goal. Um, we just it's still just a challenge, even though that seems to be oh, hey, you're a minority business, get your certifications, and it just gets easier from that. But when you're trying to secure these government contracts, it's still a challenge, you know, because even with the certification, then there's the question of age and the question of revenue and things of that nature that's still there to kind of just make it harder to get into and break through uh, the, the industry. Yeah, and I feel like you really need a champion and an advocate. And one of the things they were telling us when we were going through, because we're still going through that process, which for me is just like every little, I mean, because literally they, they're like, if you don't have the proof of the first dollar amount you made, you need to get this little thing notarized. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this paperwork is ridiculous. And I'm a lawyer, so I'm so used to doing paperwork, but we're, <laughs> we are yeah. going to finish all the paperwork. I just have to sit down and do, and and, and yes. we're close now because we we've been compiling things for the past three months. Yeah, uh, but they do ask a lot. But one of the things that um, when we went to the Chicago vendor fair when they were looking for different su minority suppliers, they said you need a champion on the inside. So things like sending Christmas gifts to all of the purchasing directors within reason. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Like If it's a card, it should be fine. But I think there is like a dollar amount. So you have to watch out for that. Something we don't have to really worry about in the private sector. But with the state, there sometimes are some ethical rules about that type of stuff. But building relationships at the conferences and knowing who is the person in charge who can make those decisions. And, and really it's just, that way it's not so blind because they get so many people that bid and the same companies keep winning. So yes. also realizing, okay, these five companies have gotten all of the bids in the last 10 years, becoming cool with them, figuring out exactly how they started. What was, and, and talking to them about when you first received the bid, what did you do that first year? How long were you in business? That first year, um, 
who did you already subcontract for before applying? Like all of these really nuanced details and they assemble at these conferences. Yeah, okay. That so sounds great. Where they hang out would be really, really critical. And then bringing what's something only you could bring. Being a woman in a diversity owned business, like, or a, a black owned business as well as a woman owned business, speaking about even that experience, diversity in um, purchasing and why it's critical and how it could be life-changing for some of our organizations. Because for them, they get six-figure contracts all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> a couple six-figure contracts. It's like party time. <laughs> like, we like, made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so figuring out, you know, where they hang out. And in the government, it is a little bit tougher um, because they don't necessarily have budgets. But you also mentioned that you all are trying to be transportation for all. And one of the things you were looking at was possibly daycares, um, senior citizen homes, things like that. There are organizations where all the senior citizen home directors meet and they have national conferences and where all the daycare owners, like daycare owners of America, like there's a lot of associations where um, nuanced groups of business professionals meet. And so it would be great to speak to those organizations about the importance of them hiring like diverse hiring and how to how to evaluate different vendors, like a formula they can use to evaluate different vendors, just really helping them make that decision-making process. I love that. Because that could be game-changing. If you could speak to 500 or more daycare owners, um, that would be really good. Right. And like you said, and giving them, because I see just in looking around when they're looking for transportation companies that, you know, sometimes they make a really bad decision and it's yeah. probably based off of cost, you know, and you're not even yeah, referrals. Yeah. You may be getting yeah. bad referrals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing you said that really hit home with me, not only with the conferences, but that speaking to what you're already an expert in, because I've always been trying to figure out, okay, I've been doing this and I've kind of, it's kind of a hodgepodge of who I am. Okay, I'm a real estate attorney, okay? And I'm a mom and then I'm a business owner in transportation. How do you pull out of those things together? But when you just said, but you're an expert in certain things that you do because you do them every day. And I can speak to those things comfortably, you know, and not have to spend weeks researching and, you know, just get up and be able to answer those questions because I'm doing it every day. So yeah. I didn't ever really realize that you become an expert in just something because you're doing it every day. Not that you need to go spend, you know, what is a 200 hours studying this. Right. Because you're already doing it. You already. And then it's tough because I think that sometimes we devalue the expertise that we use every single day. Like I work with people overseas and I've been doing it for a while and it's been extremely lucrative for my business because we save costs on human capital, but we also have been able to grow the individuals that we work with overseas to the degree where we're paying them really well and it's commensurate with what they're bringing into the company. Not everyone can work with people in other countries. They don't even know the tools. Like we use WhatsApp, we use Zoom, we use, there's like certain technology that we utilize and they don't know what to, like, what do you give them to do that doesn't put your um, financial data at risk? Because there's even, you know, these are things that you have to consider. But I was doing it so frequently and people were like, how are you hiring people overseas to make calls? They do this and they respect you and you respect them and you give them bonuses. What, what does this look like? How do I do that for my business? And I'm like, oh, I do that every single day. 
Like mm-hmm. I went up and I call people from Zimbabwe, the Philippines, wherever I have people working for me. And it's been a great way to grow, but not everyone knows that. So the things you do every single day, you have to look at them. You have to almost look at them as though it's not you doing it every day. Like you yeah. go into, how many employees do you have? Uh, I have about 55. That is not everyone has that. You know what I mean? Like that's a significant amount of employees and hiring is very, very, very challenging for a lot of business owners. (laughs) So, I mean, that could be a whole nother training that you offer just for entrepreneurship conferences, growing your brick and mortar business, getting, owning a brick and mortar business. Cause every, everything now is so online. A lot of people, especially in my generation, don't even think about owning a brick and mortar business productively or profitably. Right, and getting it going in. What has been helpful is the community partnerships that we formed in owning a brick-and-mortar business. Uh, we're in, the, in our ward here, the 34th Ward of Chicago. We've partnered with the alderman in the ward, and we've done free CDL training. So three times a year, we do free training for the community. So we've worked with the 34th Ward. We've, we've also worked with the 9th Ward, which is borders here. Um, and brought in individuals and, like you said, the disadvantaged people, maybe some ex-offenders. The interesting part is that I can't use them to drive buses. But what we did this year was we opened it up to say we would give us, we would help anyone get a CDL license. And then the ones who met the qualifications, to drive us for a school bus company, then we would take them through the next step and getting the proper endorsements with the CDL, which is something we hadn't did before. So we opened up the program to everyone to at least be able to get the actual commercial driver's license. And then from there, they could shop it around to different companies who didn't have the the um, barrier that we have with hiring offenders because we're driving students. So that's just a no-no in our industry. But yeah, that was something we did and it was very uh, helpful and again, getting our name out. But then we're just still local though. You know, we're just still this local boutique Southside company, which I love. These are our roots. I work in the same community that raised me. I grew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so until I was 19. So being back in my community is great. But it, it you know, Yeah, and be able to expand and uh, move this thing out of the community and, like you said, into the county and the state and then and then national. Yeah, and that really, I think that, that a lot of that will come from you making, being in the right rooms with the right people who can help you get to the next level. And sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. So you really have to find out what are, where are the power players in this industry congregating? And you'd be surprised. Some people will just tell you. Like once you find the people who've been winning the largest bids in the state, which you probably already know their names, um, mm-hmm. talk to someone in there and say, what, um, what organizations or conferences do you attend every year? And just ask, because wh- they're going where their clients are. Because you don't get to be a Goliath in any industry without networking and being in the right rooms. And that is, it's very valuable to just know where your competitors spend their free time and where they spend their, their resources. It was a business owner that told me, you know, Christmas is coming up. Don't invest in all this Facebook ads and all this other stuff. 
you need to do something for your current clients. What are you doing for them? What gifts are you sending them? What does your holiday party look like for your current people who currently support you? And so, you know, we developed a strategy around that. And I thought about gifts, but I hadn't thought necessarily about, you know, doing a whole holiday party or some type of appreciation for them. But people who've been doing it longer and who've been doing it more profitably, they know stuff. <laughs> and, so, and they know stuff that works. They know stuff that works, right? And they they know where we should be investing our monies that we can get a return. And so I would, if you can, talk to those individuals. Because honestly, what I what I've also learned is people that are that are very large, like they're making maybe an eight-figure range, they don't really care about helping a business that's in the six-figure range and hasn't hit seven or in the seven-figure range because they don't really see you as their peer. So don't be afraid to reach out to these large companies that are in the same industry. And I found that they've been more than willing to help and to speak to you and to just give you some wisdom. Nice. Very good idea. And, you, and you're right. I've reached out to, you know, one or two and they had no problem sitting you down and telling you what it is, you know, and if there's a way to help. Yeah. But I feel like at the same time, you got to help yourself in some of this, too. You do. And, I, and that's why once you get the name of the organizations and once you start seeing where people are spending their time, where they're doing that work, then then it becomes on you to join those organizations. Look up the women um, in transportation organization. Look at the titles of the women in that organization. See if it's something that is beneficial for you to join. That way you're still doing the work, but you're working smart. You're not starting from ground zero and just doing everything on your own. Right. And then being able to speak and just like you're saying, speaking in this area that I'm very comfortable in and pitching at the end of that, you know, and that's that's just that's enough. Yeah. And that is that's really good for your brand and your image. And it just makes you um, an expert and a leader in the field. And if you become a trusted person that people can go to, even when looking at. So the goal is, even if they don't hire you this time, if you give them the tools to make smart hiring decisions, because your company is the one who showed them those tools and those skills, they will circle back to you because you will be the expert for them. And building those relationships helps because people um, switch companies. I was just telling my audience that I, I pitched this corporation a year ago, over a year ago, and they just signed with me this week. Wow. We literally pitched them more than a year ago. They're a large company in Chicago. Um, they have a national presence, but they're they have a big Chicago office. And it just took a long time. But she remembered that I, I never pressured her. And I was always like, well, I'm a resource. So if you need something, they needed someone to speak on behalf of their company and just represent their company on a panel. And it was not for pay, but I knew that they could be a potential client of mine for some sexual harassment and diversity training. And you know, now all companies, you have more than four employees, you have to have sexual harassment training as of August 9th. So that mm -hmm. is huge game changer for what we do at Mobile Girl Council. And so we're like reaching out to those companies, but just serving as a resource and being that trusted advisor really goes a long way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. You really, opened, you really opened it up for me today. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's why we do these types of coaching calls. And, and also it's great for people on this podcast to hear about a different business, it's not an online business, it's a brick and mortar business. She has 50 plus employees, Transportation, everyone needs transportation. Kids can't even take Uber. So, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, you know, there's a ton of opportunity. And 
when you hear about the amount of these contracts, like millions upon millions of dollars a month that some companies are getting for transportation, I mean, that is, it's such a great opportunity. Absolutely. And I, and I know that it's a good and lucrative business just once that door is just blown open. So right now for me, I feel like my toe is in the door and I'm ready to like kick it down. So I really think this information you gave me today is going to really help me to get it open. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And the other thing about conferences before we close out is like, don't uh, don't forget that when you speak at a conference, that conference typically hires its own PR team or they have their own press team there. If they don't pay you, you can ask for them to introduce you to some of the press outlets that'll be covering the conference and mm-hmm. ask that they cover your session or say, I'd be willing to do an interview with anyone that's covering the conference. Please let me know um, who are the media contacts that I should be reaching out to to let them know that I'll be there. Or do you all have any media partners that I can also reach out to while I'm there? Um, because that's just another great opportunity, a way to build that personal brand while also building your professional profile. So speaking, I mean, it could take you in so many different directions. And for you, you know, because really the goal for speaking is to push people into your business, getting the immediate pay up front isn't the, it's not the most important thing. Because if you get the contract, that is like the most important thing. But as you start speaking more, people will ask you to speak and they will offer to pay. And that's how you can do some of that work you want to do with entrepreneurs and sit on panels and all of those opportunities that don't, if the, if the opportunity does not directly lead to you potentially getting a contract, then they should be paying you to speak. And I think that's how you can look at it. Like if it's not a networking opportunity, it's not something that could lead you to be in front of the right decision makers, then you should be asking for an honorarium because your time is too valuable to do it any other way. Okay. And I think that's what, when I asked that question initially, that's where I was getting to. If it's, I'm really not concerned about, you know, getting paid for the speaking so long as it's bringing it back to me. So that was pretty much my question too. Okay. Yep. And some of those like associations do, a lot of them, a lot of the national conferences do have budgets for speakers. Um, But make sure you vet the audience because sometimes you'll see that the audience is exactly what you need to be pitching to. And so you really don't care either way. So you may take a lower honorarium. You may do it for travel. um, You have that flexibility because you have a whole business operation behind you. A lot of the speakers I train, they they get paid to speak because they're not trying to fund a business on the back end. Speaking is the business. So it's typically two different strategies that you would use to approach it. Okay. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. I'm like excited to hop on this computer. Yes, definitely. And so where can the Speak Your Way to Cash audience find out more about you or about your transportation company? And if they need transportation, where do they go? Um, so you guys can visit our website. We're at www.transportation, the number four, all, all.com. Um, we're also on IG, transportation for all as well. And then our office number is 773-253-2775, just in case anyone still uses the telephone. (laughs) You can reach us directly there. But our website gives a lot of information. You can even reserve transportation via the website as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Karshina. Thank you guys from this (laughs) <laughs> now I'm getting tongue-tied. Thank you guys from the Speaker Rated Cash community for tuning into this coaching call. We've learned a lot about the transportation industry and giving Karshina some ideas to skyrocket her business using speaking. If you'd like to do one of these calls, 
then just reach out via email, admin at passionpurposeandpaychecks.com or just go to ashleynicolekirkwood.com and drop us a line there. But thank you guys for always being supportive. And I will link to Karshina's website where you can contact her for all of your transportation needs.